Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, and my guests this week are Lou Arvetter, VP of Content and Production at PepsiCo North America, and Allison Polly, Head of Content Development at PepsiCo North America. Both Lou and Allison work at PepsiCo's in-house content studio, which works across PepsiCo North American beverage portfolio and agencies to elevate creativity within their marketing. That involves working with outside agencies to develop brand marketing, as well as producers and directors from the entertainment industry on long-form brand films. Polly and Arbetter chat about the ins and outs of running an in-house content studio at a major corporation, how the organization is working with the entertainment industry, and how, how Pepsi tests and learns new media formats and creative opportunities. Hi, Lou. Hi, Allison. Great to have you here. Nice to be here. Thank you. It's always good to talk to another Allison. Yes. <laughs> and you're, you're a single L and I'm a double, so. I know. I'm, one of those rare. Answer? It is. Yeah. I don't like L-E-W-I-S. I do. I'm an L-O-U-I-S, so I, I could understand that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was always very hard for me to find a keychain that that spelled out. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> on to more more relevant topics. Um, so you guys are both at at PepsiCo, and um, you work with the content studio. So tell me a little bit about like your role at Pepsi, what you focus on, and then how you fit into the marketing department. Uh, sure. Why don't I start a little bit with the studio overall, and then how's that? Um, so. Uh, our in-house content studio really helps where we work. We um, work with the North American beverage brands uh, and our agency partners. Um, really, our core role is to elevate uh, overall creativity. Uh, we focus on training, building new capabilities, and partnership. Um, and at the end of the day, I think we have the best gig uh, yes. at the company because we're champions for great creative. Uh, so we get to work with incredible creative partners, uh, both internally and externally. Um, and, uh, we just want to find great ideas, whether they come from our own team or from external teams. Uh, and our job is to push the brands and build that creative capability. Uh, I oversee that overall pursuit of creative excellence as well as our in-house team and then overall production. Awesome. And Allison, talk a little bit about your role with the team. Sure. So I oversee content development and distribution, which is long form. So in our world, long form is anything more than 60 seconds, but traditionally it's feature films, doc series, episodic series, both scripted and unscripted. So the brands come to us when they want to work differently. And um, we have a variety of different ways that we can interact with the brands, but it's definitely an innovative way to get the brand's messaging across. Yeah, we'll definitely talk more about long form. It's, it's an interesting area that brands are sort of diving into as, advertising, pure advertising opportunities become yep. slimmer. Yep. Um, but first, give me a sense of how the Pepsi Co content studio like sits within the overall marketing function and then how you work with the different brands in the in the portfolio. So we sit, first of all, uh, in PepsiCo Beverages North America. Um, mm -hmm. So Greg Lyons is the CMO uh, for PBNA uh, is our uh, acronym, uh, and I'm part of uh, Greg's leadership team uh, and work with the brand leaders across the board to help them bring their creative vision to life. Um, so we are, think of us as a creative resource that all the brands can plug into 
mm-hmm. and um, work with. Would you call yourselves like an in-house agency? Yeah, we're we're an in-house agency for sure. We'll get into that, I, I think, a little more because I don't think we function exactly like other in-house agencies, but mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. We have a lot of the same capabilities from strategy to creative, uh, but also other things that a lot of folks don't have, like uh, Allison's uh, content dev team. So how many people is it overall? We're 52 people right now. Okay. It's a pretty sizable team for an in-house mm-hmm creative studio. So talk about how you, obviously PepsiCo works with agencies in, in North America. Talk about where you fit in there, um, what resources they offer and what you sort of take care of internally. Yeah, this is where I think we we differ a little bit because we don't follow just a, a black and white model of it's either done in-house or it's done externally. We really need our external agencies to succeed. So we like uh, a blended model. That means sometimes we'll help the brand teams with their brief. That means sometimes we'll do social listening uh, and inform uh, even the uh, insight that's going to go to the external agency. We'll work with the brands to review creative sometimes that comes from an external agency and build on it and sometimes push the brand teams um, to to make a decision that maybe they're a little uncomfortable with. but that's what it means to be a champion for for creative. So we um, the first thing we had to do, though, uh, to enable the success of our um, in-house team and external agency is we kind of needed to look in the mirror and we realized we were not doing a lot of things well. We had a kind of a listening tour with the chief creative officers at some of the external shops and they were, um, we gave them a safe space, uh, you know, in the trust tree and the nest and all that. And, and they said, um, you know, too many approval layers. Uh, the briefs were sloppy. You're not evaluating creative uh, in a um, um, kind of a bullish, uh, fearless way, things like that. So we have done a ton of training from redoing our entire briefing process to getting practical tools for creative evaluation, removing approval layers, things like that, um, to enable all creative team success. That certainly benefits our in-house team for sure. But the external agencies are very appreciative and and we spend a lot of time working with them on ways we can improve. Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like um, like how was it to sort of change those things in in a big corporate environment like PepsiCo? Uh, Just just what you would expect. Uh, uh, (laughs) Not easy. (laughs) People people definitely have, you know, more experienced marketers uh, uh, for sure have kind of a way of doing things that they've done for a long time. Here's the benefit, though, of PepsiCo. PepsiCo has always um, had an entrepreneurial mindset when it comes to marketing. We are um, take this from, you know, the name on the door and our competition uh, with uh, with uh, Coca-Cola. You know, we are um, we have a chip on our shoulder. Uh, we we want to uh, take it to them and be on the front foot. So innovation uh, you know, choice of a new generation, all of that. We're constantly looking for new ways to do things. So that when we start talking about process improvements and innovation, you have a receptive marketing department to that. Uh, it's still hard to get things ingrained. Behavior changes are hard at any organization. But I do think PepsiCo has a leg up because we are kind of, we embrace innovation and change. Mm, interesting. So when you are like, briefing a a creative agency team is it what's the process like and does that change depending on the campaign in terms of how you work together like does it start with an internal brief that then the the external agency implements or is it more of a collaborative process where the agencies like come in house and work with you guys like 
how hybrid is it? Yeah. So for, first, there is no one way, depending on you know, the brand team, it depends on the capability and experience of the brand leader that's on it, uh, as well as how long the agency has been working with the individual brand. So there is no one shoe fits, uh, you know, every, every project. But on the most part, um, we first really lean into our new social listening capability. This is something we built out over the last couple of years. And um, it has helped us gain better insights uh, to start the whole process. So we'll we'll start by scraping what the hell people are talking about. So if the brief is about, uh, you know, foot, football season or whatever it is, um, what are people talking about already? So we kind of uh, start already a few steps further uh, down the stream in a, in a more actionable way, which the creatives seem to really like. Um, then we collaborate with the with whether it's our own in, internal uh, creative sh uh, team or the external, we like to build the brief together. Um, uh, and we have a new template and it uh, tells a nice story and all this other nice stuff. But uh, I find that it's better to do it hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's, it's always interesting for me to see like, you know, everyone talks about in-house, but it always looks different for every single brand mm -hmm. and every single campaign. Um, so, um Allison, talk a little bit about long form and, and how that plays into Pepsi's marketing approach. Um, you know, there's been a ton of really great like branded films, whether it's long form documentaries to just shorter, um, even like like two minute video, two minute films that are like, you know, different than what the typical creative ad would have been in the past. So talk about that and Pepsi's broader strategy there. Sure. So. We have a really, I think, extremely interesting and exciting opportunity because we work with so many different brands. So it's almost like having different jobs within the same company. So working with a brand like Gatorade can be very different than working with a brand like Pepsi when it comes to long form. So in the case of Pepsi, you know, we just did a feature length documentary that's on Showtime. Um, and the premise of that was really to extend the equity of the halftime show. So much larger than my individual project, there's been a strategic initiative to extend those 12 minutes for the consumer from 12 minutes to six weeks-ish, right? And so the goal of that, if you think about it, is, you know, as, as retail does extend Christmas, Christmas starts, I don't know, like the minute it goes yeah. below 50. Yeah. So we just, we want the, we want the consumer thinking about Pepsi and the halftime show longer than obviously the game. Mm -hmm. So the, in that case, the, the, the long form content supports that overall strategic plan, which is to have the show in culture, to keep the show relevant, to kind of bridge the gap between when the game ends to when the new artist is announced. Right. So we want to keep keep um, the, the show and our brand top of mind. And the way we did that is to create a long form um, feature doc directed by an incredibly talented director, Nadia Hallgren, great production company, Boardwalk Pictures. Um, other long-form content comes to us through insight and through emotional storytelling, sometimes through mission, where the brand wants to be associated with stories that are being told, and the brand may not be a part of the um, on-camera experience, but they're part of the reason why we want these stories to be made and why we want the stories to be out in public. Mm -hmm. um, a brand like Gatorade has a lot of insight into how kids 
um, experience sports, how sports change their lives, how they are up against different kinds of dilemmas with their with just being teenagers. And so, you know, Gatorade has had, we've had great success with Gatorade telling stories that have an emotional hook, a narrative arc. Um, we followed a wonderful con- um, contest that the brand created called Cantera 5v5, which was their annual um supportive community endeavor where they choose kids from different countries and they compete and it's Gatorade's way of staying connected to the youth and then giving them experiences. They get to go to see the world cup if they win, et cetera. So the long form, like who was saying with a regular assignment, there's no one way in. And every time we work with a brand, we're completely customizing who we work with, how we work, how we go to market um, so that it works for them. And mm-hmm. we're completely agnostic with talent agencies, with production companies. Like we have the benefit of really f- wanting to cherry pick the right talent for the right project. Yeah. Um, and very fortunate to be able to kind of go where we were the best work, where the best directors and writers and creatives are. And, and then um, the challenge is it's our job to enable the right environment. So they do the right work to get the right work through and sold. Yeah. So how do you, obviously long form is a much more of a, um, it's, it's a different kind of investment. It's not as measurable and it's more like, um, it's not as like, like hard of a touch in terms of the brand being like in your face. It, it could sometimes the brand's not there at all. Right. So how do you evaluate the return on investment in these opportunities and when it's worth it to really move forward with a long form project? So we, we, we are able to measure it. And obviously for us, it's very successful. Otherwise you wouldn't keep doing it. So, you know, I'll give you two quick examples. So on Cantera, for the same investment as a 60 second commercial, we created five episodes of content that were a little bit over 90 minutes. And I remember the CMO saying, my God, this is incredible for the same investment as one commercial the consumer fan viewer gets 90 minutes with my brand, right? Um, in the case, and that led to 7X in, in the media investment equivalent to earn media and submission and official selection into multiple award shows and advertising shows and a lot of press and local screenings. So the kind of amplification of the content was huge for the brand. And then we got distribution, in LATAM and in the U.S. and now a third a third window. So we are we're hitting so many of the of the traditional ways that you measure success: earn media, media placement, impact in communities, um, credibility in an industry, just purely on an entertainment value. Um, for a brand like Pepsi. We did um, uh, we, on the announcement and the release of the show alone. I think we <laughs> the billions in the earned media it was billions. Mm-hmm. So um, we're able to measure it. We we measure it through impact on culture. Mm-hmm. So it's a different KPI than like a regular creative campaign. Yeah, I mean, you know, Allison, that um, traditional um, advertising tools have a well-groomed process for measurement. We can tell you the amount of cases we're going to move from a TV spot, um, all of that kind of good stuff. So the measurement um, is not as precise uh, as traditional TV and all of that because it's newer and it hasn't been around as long. But 
uh, we are seeing a huge impact in brand love um, and awareness. And for brands, some of our brands like Pepsi, for example, it's not the 90s, right? We have to work to ensure that we're still relevant in people's lives. So those types of measurements are more important for us now. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. How do you overall, as you look at like all of the creative opportunities that you pursue across the brands, view like way like investing in long form versus shorter form stuff? Are you pushing more into that area um, or is it really just more about the particular opportunity? No, I, th I think all brands are looking for new levers to pull. Um, on ways that they can connect with consumers. And consumers generally just have such a now well-developed sense of bullshit uh, meter that, you know, they don't want to be uh, kind of marketed to, um, even though traditional TV still works, uh, but the ways, you know, the amount of money you have to spend to be on an NFL game is going up dramatically and prime time is going down. Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's a mess. We're all looking around. We're all kind of in the dark with a little light on looking around for a new piece of gold, like, oh, NFTs, let's, let's go over there. Um, so long form is another lever that I think a lot of brands are realizing is um, um, a way to connect to consumers uh, on their, uh, uh, on their level. Mm -hmm. So we're already talking about an area that they love, uh, whether that's music or uh, sports um, they want to hear what, uh, what the topic is. And that's, mm -hmm. I think what Ali uh, and her team do so well is you take the brand, you know, it's a kind of a Copernicus kind of way of looking at things. The brand is no longer the center of the universe. We put culture in the center and we figure out how we can leverage the gravity of the cultural conversation to slingshot our brands to growth. So that's a very kind of one-on-one stuff, but, um, the, the trick is in how you partner with the creative community and the brand um, to to uh, bring those stories to life. I would also yeah. say that the, the long form doesn't live by itself. It's connected to hmm. short form and in that it's connected to promotional bits. It's connected to teasers, social 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 posts like it has to be part of a holistic program. We don't make enough films like Netflix or HBO to just make a film and put it out in the ether and see what happens. Like we mm -hmm. have to support it and we want to support it. Maybe we support it through a panel. Maybe we support it through a scholarship. Um, but the brand touches it, but it may not touch the actual tentpole piece of content, but the brand is a part of the overall program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes total sense. Um, so I want to, I want to follow up on something you were saying, Lou, about just like how it's difficult to maintain relevancy in this, in this environment that we're in now and how, you know, like opportunities that have worked in the past, such as the Super Bowl, which, you know, still works or, you know, football, they're becoming more expensive. Right. And they're not, it's not quite as like a slam dunk as it used to be. How, how are you changing the way you think about creativity overall to fit into all of these new spaces, whether it's TikTok or NFTs, like you said, like, how are you sort of reevaluating the, the ways creativity can play in these new spaces? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, there's just a mentality. Uh, this goes back a little bit to embracing innovation that we were talking about earlier, but there is a mentality you have to have that is a little bit fearless that some of this stuff is new and therefore it's sloppy. It's not gonna, it's not gonna fit into the boxes that we've constructed on a traditional way to grow brand, uh, to grow our brand. So 
understanding that, embracing innovation and, and embracing uh, the unknown a little bit will help our brands uh, test and learn. So that's the first thing we have to do. We have a whole model that we that we leverage on bringing new technology and opportunities to bear for our brands by kind of first, you know, putting them essentially in a lab in a safe little environment. We test them and play with them and see the growth. And then we start an adoption and we run pilots and then we uh, have full kind of integration into the, into what I just, you know, just think of as a dashboard. So, you know, before we install the new lever and the new dial onto the brand kind of, uh, you know, control panel, uh, we want to vet it and all that kind of stuff, but you have to want to do that. So first there's that kind of um, desire to innovate, which definitely we, we have here, which makes our job a lot easier. Um, but then you just find the best partners. So, um, you know, we go out and whether um, it is working with, um uh, boardwalk, um, for example, or Spring Hill, or Spring Hill, exactly. Incredible partner with um, uh, Mountain Dew right now. Right, so incredible partners for content creation, or it's working with you know Gary V and Vayner um, on uh, some NFT stuff that we're doing, or you know you you have to surround yourself by folks that you feel really understand the space and and can enable our success. Um, but it really starts with just that desire, like let's let's play around, man. Like this is. Uh, this is fun stuff that we get to do. Um, and I think sometimes uh, certain brands get caught up in their own um, heads a little bit and saying, oh, my gosh, it's not worth the time or energy or risk. But I think that's incredibly short sighted in a world that's moving at the warp nine. Yeah. No. And how, so how do you decide, like when you're testing, you're learning when something is actually worth investing in or when it's just a bunch of hype and it's not necessarily worthwhile. Like you're obviously going full into NFTs with Gary. Like what's the rationale behind that? Where do you see potential there and not just sort of like hot air? Well, yeah. <laughs> this is the great thing is um, consumers are quick to tell us what's working and what's not working. Right. So when TikTok was just kind of, um, you know, um, coming on as something we wanted to engage with. We would run these kind of uh, um, programs with them and we would look at the numbers and we'd be like, was that a, a billion with a B or was that like, <laughs> that can't be right. And, and like, that's not, and you learn about the platform, you learn about the power of it. Um, and, you know, you just quickly ride the horse that wants to run. So we, the consumers are quick to tell us what's, uh, what's working and that's where a robust insights team uh, and measurement capability helps across the board. Sometimes even that is difficult as you well, as you were asking about earlier um, to figure out how to measure things. But at the end of the day, if consumers are reacting and the sentiment is good, we're in a safe place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. So um, obviously we're heading towards the end of the year here and all I keep hearing about is supply chain challenges. Yeah. Um, yeah. How is that impacting the, the creative work you're doing at at Pepsi for the holidays and, and into next year? Um, well, we are, from a creative standpoint, we're just, you know, pedal to the metal. Like we, 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 um, we never are, been busier. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, um, I think, um, we recognize there's a lot of opportunity. The business is doing very well. We feel good about, um, uh, the new innovations that we've had. We feel great about the brand equity that we're building. We're really feel, uh, like we are in a position of strength. Uh, across the board uh, here uh, in, in, and I'm just speaking in the U.S. Uh, um, on the beverage side. And I 
Um, so we are looking to um, accelerate that growth and, and throw more more gas on on that action. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, Allison is really, as she said, has never been busier. Um, all the uh, I can't say all the brands, but more brands than have we've ever really um, worked with before right now. Right. We have more. Yeah. Brands. And part of it is, you know, the dream is coming true, which is that, you know, you do one, it goes well, they come back. And then you begin to think about building franchises, repeatable, ownable models that you know are coming, right? Every year there's either an event that the brand does or every year there's a program or there's an idea. So every brand is in a different stage of being comfortable working this way. Um, some are much more articulated and really off the, off, you know, now we're having we're minding melds with melding minds and minding melds with um, our distribution partners and trying to figure out like how do you know we're two superpowers how do we do this and and kind of in making it up together yeah um, it's very exciting to we're, be that comfortable being uncomfortable and 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 comfortable redefining there are two things there are two things I would just build on to what Allison just said is um, first I think a lot of brands are recognizing the value of building their own IP in certain mm-hmm. areas so the do brand has done this for years with do tour right um, you know there's Gatorade athletes of the year and all of that that's IP that the brand owns now how can you extend that um, through uh, content so we're looking at that across the board but whether that's characters like um, Uncle, Uncle Drew, Drew or yeah. Chester Cheetah or that kind of stuff, or it's um, um, uh, programs like Cantera 5 V5, there's there's a lot of value that we can bring to the table that a lot of um, um, directors and folks in the creative community want to um, want to in, engage with. So um, uh, there's a lot. There's <laughs> The dance card is full. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's interesting to think about, you know, brands thinking more like entertainment companies and like mm-hmm. owning their own IP. Um, is that something where you're seeing interest from outside like producers and directors in terms of like working with, you know, maybe some some mascots that you have or like how, how does that yes. look? Yeah. So without giving too much away, um, yeah, I'm sure it's still uh, we, do get it. we do get approached that that studios want access to our IP. And we have to figure out very judiciously if it makes sense for us, mm-hmm. because, you know, when you create, when you're, when you're fortunate enough to create something in culture, it means a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So we covet those relationships. Um, one thing I will say about owning IP, I think that Pepsi as a corporation is very sophisticated in the way it approaches IP, because a hundred years ago, if you didn't own everything, it was like, we're walking away, right? And that, and that comes from the work for hire model of the ad agency where the brand owns everything because that's the model, right? As the model has gotten more sophisticated, some brands have, have chosen to be sophisticated in their reaction to it as well. And we're one of those brands. So sometimes we are an investor. Sometimes we're one of three financiers. Sometimes we own the film, but not the IP. Sometimes we license the IP from the owner. Sometimes we um, participate, we, you know, we participate at different levels. So it's not one way anymore. Mm-hmm. It's how do we, if, it's, if this is important to us, how do, we, how do we figure out a way to make it work mm-hmm. so that the brands aren't saddled with 
these very high expense. You know, these are these expensive productions. And there was a there was a moment when brands would not not make long form because they thought they had to have, you know, so much money. Right. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of different ways to get to that dollar figure um, so that the brand is, you know, committed, but it can minimize their risk as well. So we're dancing really well, I think, with the entertainment industry. Um, and it's a, it's a partnership obviously that we really value that we think is, is, is part of the future. Yeah. And the people love it because they're in and they're out, you know, the worst thing for a director is it doesn't get made and it doesn't get seen. So we can, we have to guarantee both. It has to be seen and we are only going to bring you in if the money is there and it's going to get made. This is important just to build on just one thing. Cause I think Allison and her team have done a really good job of, uh, not just creating great stuff, but how you do it is important. We need these, the, the this creative community to want to work with us. So a director, if they have a poor time, if if they work with Pepsi and we act the, you know, the prototypical corporate, you know, beast and and we're heavy handed on creative comments, all of that, they're not going to want to work with us again. And it's not like the community is huge. Right. They'll share that experience with others. So it's a credit to, to Allison and her team that these these directors and producers are coming to us. Of course, they want money. Let's not uh, kid, kid ourselves. Right. They want our production dollars. But um, the director, the caliber of talent that we're um, working with, they all don't need to do it for a paycheck. Yeah. We want to create something meaningful. And that kind of feeds into the, a whole nother kind of work stream around purpose that that this storytelling helps the brands bring to life um, their role or purpose that they want to serve on a broader level. And so it's not just a drink shot and, you know, Pepsi on ice kind of business. This is, you know, how can we shine a light on uh, undervalued uh, members uh, of the creative community? You know, this mm-hmm. is really an opportunity and how we do things um that that's an unlock i think for us yeah and to your point it does sort of like film is a way to to express brand purpose um in a very strong and and potent way without being too heavy-handed right um how how difficult is it for you allison to sort of be the person in the middle of the brand and the director trying to make sure the director's happy um and also that the brand gets what they want without being too heavy handed. It's hard, but I like it. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm a middle sister. I'm used to being in the middle. <laughs> well, you're good at your job. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this my whole life in that I've been, oh, I've been trying to make things work that don't naturally go together in the create in the creative industries. So I'm very comfortable trying to translate, buffer, um, protect, defend, um, I like it. I, I, I feel like it's a it's a thrill uh, in a different sort. And, you know, not every relationship is perfect and not every every project it comes out the way we exactly thought. But we're open. And I think that, you know, my hero, Richard Plepler, is my hero at HBO. And it's all about, you know, your talent led. Right. And um the good news is I know that the brands want to do great work. The creative community wants to do great work. We all kind of want the same thing. So yeah, if we didn't give them enough time, you know, it was one extra round. I think the balance is they know, they know that we're doing it for all the same reasons that they're doing it. Um, And it's hard. 
I mean, you know, it's hard. It takes longer than in making a commercial. We often help the brand execs understand, like when you're watching a rough cut of a feature film, this is really, these are the three things you guys should really be looking at. Don't worry about things you're normally looking at when you're looking at a commercial, but we help them, we help them quiet their brain or use other muscles that they may not necessarily be used to using because they're trained. It's kind of like a, a, you know, putting a ballet dancer on the ice. Like they have, they're they're athletic, but they have to do something different. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we help them understand when you're watching a doc series, this is what you should be looking for in a rough cut, watching a scripted feature. This is what you should be looking for. Do you care about the characters? That's all I want to know. And do you know what the story is? Mm-hmm. The rest of it, will, will, the music will figure it out, the color, da, da, da. But like there's some basic, you know, I went to film school. So there's some basic things that we really try to help them understand. Um, and I think they are excited too, because it just broadens their capabilities and it broadens their understanding of their consumer. And um, it's just a different touch point. Yeah. Do you think that um, as you sort of train the creative teams to have this I, it's going to make Pepsi's creativity overall better? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say train. I just think I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull out certain things that they are probably doing anyway, but they don't necessarily know that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know the content that we all talk about. Everyone's talking about Squid Game. Everybody's talking about succession. Like, why are you talking about it? Mostly either because the characters are incredible or there's, or there's, it's the pace or something's unexpected. It's like, you're not, you're not walking around saying, you know, that, that character was cast too young or that didn't look like our demographic or that music wasn't exactly right. Like you're talking about the guts of the story, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to keep them focused on the guts of the story. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Tom Hanks in The Da Vinci Code, his hair was terrible. Yes, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. <laughs> That's just, you can't overlook that. Well, well maybe did, there's, a, there's a meme you guys can play off on that or something. <laughs> yeah. But your question, Allison, on, on just capability building is a good one because part of, uh, you know, back to our role uh, is elevating overall creative excellence um, um, and with our brand team, certainly. But doing is a great way to, to help folks. So mm-hmm. rolling up your sleeve, getting into the kitchen, we talked about it being messy and flowers flying all over the place. And this is hard stuff. Um, but when you, you know, finish the meal, uh, I think you are a more dangerous marketer. There's no two ways about it. Um, this helps our teams. For sure. And to that point, and sort of circling back to the beginning of our conversation, how are you pushing um, your external teams to, to develop these skills? skills push on creative excellence what would you like to see from them as the world just continues to move so quickly yeah this is where i've been really happy with a lot of our our partners they've been very open to discussions and training and and things like that so first just stop talking more from an agency standpoint um you know i'm going this week um uh, to our our friends at Shia to just talk about creative evaluation and how we look at things and how we can better partner, things like that. I mean, they're happy to make time. They've been wonderful, wonderful partners um, for us. And, and uh, from a director, you know, production standpoint, before we even start a project, you know, Allison and, and the team will sit down and just talk about um, certainly ways of working, but even what is our, uh, what is success on this project, mm-hmm. right? So when this is all said and done, and it's amazing how often we talk about 
the process and yep. how it gets done. Yep. So yes, we want to create something that everybody is entertained by and, you know, or educated by and, and love it and share it and all of that. But it's in a lot of these projects, how we do it is critically important. Mm-hmm. And it feels really good when you exit a, like the yeah. Cantera stuff, you know, like Alice is on the board of certain, you know, um, charities that that we've worked with, with the Gatorade brand, because mm-hmm. it wasn't just um, a project. It was uh, a commitment. And mm-hmm. and we're proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very, That's very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for for giving me a peek inside Pepsi's in-house content studio and um, talking about all things creativity and hope to talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.